You're listening to Fire Trainers Podcast, Season 5, Episode 6, published on April 12th, 2023. This episode, we'll be talking with Gary Cuisenberry about his new book. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Sit back and relax for this week's episode of the Fire Trainers Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage. Remember, for listening to this podcast, you can get 10% off your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Manus X. I've been a longtime Manus user from their original Manus X to the new Manus X10 that came out with a couple of years ago, and now excited about their most recent product, Manus Blackbeard X. The Manus Blackbeard X combines the Manus 10 and the Manus Blackbeard system into one platform for the AR-15. It unleashes a completely new capability with in-depth dynamic shooting analysis, including motion-based analysis and multi-target engagement, something no one has done before. Manus Blackbeard X connects to your smartphone via Bluetooth and can easily download the Manus X application for Android and iOS. The Manus X application gives you history on all your previous sessions, as well as new drills for the modern sporting rifle. Manus X changed the way I train, and I think you'll find the Manus Blackbeard X is a great training aid for yourself and your students. Check out Manus X for more information on their Manus products, including the new Manus Blackbeard systems. That is ManusX.com. We bring this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined with Gary Cuisenberry. Welcome, Gary. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Hey, it's my pleasure. It's good to see you again. Same here. Well, we've had you on before talking about your book on situational awareness for uh, spotting danger before it spots you, uh, spotting danger before it spots your kids, and before it spots your teenagers. And coming on talking about spotting danger before uh, for travelers and how that can be affect uh, or how that can be affected for people when they're uh, traveling for it. Um, but before we jump into that, can you give us what you were doing before you started doing this book? Because obviously you're a very accomplished author at this point. But what's what's your career prior to being an author? Well, you know, it's kind of a long track. I'm retired now, so mm-hmm. you know, I started off. I started off in the military. Uh, I got out of the army right after I came home from Desert Storm. Uh, you know, kind of just kind of just wandered around for a couple of years trying to figure things out, and got my foot in the door with the federal system. Uh, worked in that for. Uh, six years with the Bureau of Prisons. And then once 9-11 happened, I uh, started with the Federal Air Marshal Service, worked with them for 19 years before I retired uh, from there. So now I'm just back home in Virginia, writing books and working on my little farm here. That sounds like a good retirement plan uh, for sure. Yeah. But hey, yeah. um, one of the things I found in your book that was really interesting is, uh, you know, spotting danger for travelers. Um, I've traveled around, you know, different countries and such, probably not to the extent that you have and definitely not for work and everything, but I still found it very interesting. A lot of the stuff that you, uh, brought up in the book, because, uh, let's put it this way. When you're in different cultures, different places, every, everything changes for it. And, um, that's one of the big things I took away just reading your manuscript prior to prior to the podcast is uh, just how in depth it was uh, to consider you know whether you're going to South America or going to Asia or whether you're going to 
Western Europe or Eastern Europe, Africa, you know, all these different places that we like to visit, but at the same time, we've got to be very, um, very conscious of where we're going, which kind of brings to the first point. What, when we're thinking about traveling, what kind of planning should we do up front? Well, you know, one thing I want to clear up for everybody that's listening is, you know, this is a book for travelers and it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily specific to people traveling overseas. You know, this could be you going on a weekend vacation, you know, out of state or wherever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, situational awareness piece is, is pretty much universal, you know, like criminals, criminal behavior, some of the scams and stuff that people try to run on unsuspecting tourists. They're fairly common and, you know, they're fairly uniform across different cultures. But, uh, you know, the, the book that I wrote, I wrote so that people traveling could feel secure you know, in their surroundings through the use of situational awareness, which in turn kind of frees their mind up a little bit with proper, you know, preparation and planning. You're freeing your mind up so that you're not worried about everything that's going on around you. And you can actually just kind of settle into your vacation, and enjoy everything a little bit more. And, you know, as, as a federal air marshal, we were all over the world. And the one thing that, you know, we realized early on is when we got there, we were targeted. and you know, people knew who we were. Cab drivers knew who we were. Hotel clerks knew who we were when we came in. They started figuring it out. And, you know, guys would get followed. Guys have been, you know, confronted in alleys and pubs and streets and things like that. So just knowing what little pre-incident indicators to look out for, whether you're a federal agent or just, you know, a family out on vacation goes a long way in keeping yourself safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I didn't mean to make it sound like your book was only for international travel, because obviously if you're traveling out to, you know, Hawaii or, you know, California or down to Texas, if you're traveling probably more than a hundred miles away from your home, you're going into, you know, a different place and you're going to be unaccustomed to whatever's going on in that place. And you could be, you know, a victim of crime. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned cultural, you know, cultural differences. And when people think of cultural differences, sometimes they may think, you know, well, they do things different in, you know, let's just say, like you said, mentioned, you know, Western Africa than we do here in the United States. Well, that holds true as well. If you're from Boone, North Carolina, traveling to San Francisco, you know, there's a lot of cultural differences there. It's some things that people need to be aware of before they travel so that they're, they know what to expect when they get to their destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, uh, I've traveled, you know, a couple hundred miles away from home, uh, on different hunting trips and such. And I can tell you, you know, going from, I'm not in the big city, uh, you know, I'm in the suburbs around Cincinnati, but I can tell you when you go out to some of the small places, uh, you know, like where you go hunting at, they have large forests and different things like that. There is a, a different culture out there when it comes to things and you've got to respect it and you got to know, um, how to, how to go along and work with it because they're not going to change. They're going to do it the way they do it. But as you said, you know, criminals are going to be criminals and that's where you got to keep your eyes open. Um, you know. I live in a tent when I'm out hunting. Guess what? I've got to make sure things stay locked up because even in the middle of a national forest, you'll still have uh, crooks that'll try to steal stuff from you. So, you know, national parks are huge. You know, for for targeting for targeting unsuspecting tourists. You know, people just you know they they'll fall for for things that they that their intuition tells them they should know better. You know, but a lot of people just have this thing like, well, that would never happen to me. That would never happen to my family. I'm a little bit smarter than that, but you know, to be perfectly honest, criminals are just constantly evolving. They're constantly using new technology to take, you know, take advantage of people. And, and you know, by the time the book's published, I wrote this book 
you know, almost a year, you know, I started it a year ago. And by the time it's published, there will be things that have changed when it comes to the way criminals target victims and the way they use technology to take advantage of them. You know, unfortunately, technology moves so fast now that, you know, the public, the publishing industry can't keep up with the changes. So by the time a book comes out, there's going to be some new thing. And that's why I try, you know, like on my social media and stuff like that. I got a pretty big Instagram following now. And I try to keep things on there where, you know, it keeps people up to date on some of the newer scams and things that are out there that they should be aware of when they're traveling or when they're at home. It doesn't really, you know, affect the, you know, where you're at. Mm -hmm. I got a question for uh, for you when it comes to, um, you know, for travelers. What do you recommend that people, that travelers leave behind? And what are the essential things that they should take with them when traveling? Well, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's different. So, you know, what's, what's essential for one family or one person may not be essential for someone else. Personally, I like to travel light. So when I was flying as a federal air marshal, the less stuff I had with me, I was, a, I was what they call the one bagger, right? Like, so I had one bag that I could throw on my back and I could get the hell out of Dodge if I ever needed to. I wasn't worried about trying to find where everything was at, packing everything in three different bags or anything like that. So, you know, I, re- I recommend traveling like that all the time. But there are going to be essentials that you need to take with you. You may have a child who's, you know, asthmatic and they need their inhalers, or you may have some medications that you got to take with you. Those are a priority. And when I wrote this book, I purposely broke it down into phases. And it's kind of, it reflects the same phases that I use to prepare for international missions when I was flying as a federal air marshal. You know, so you've got your pre-travel stuff that you've got to take care of, securing your home, setting up a, you know, a a kind of a network of friends and family to take care and keep an eye on your place for you. And the packing, you know, the, the checklists and stuff that you need to prepare so that you keep everything in order. And then what you do at your destination and then what you do when you're leaving your vacation, returning home. Because inevitably what happens is a lot of people when they're on vacation, when it's over and they're headed back to the airport, that's when they have a tendency to let their guard down. And like, oh, you know, that was a lot of fun. And they're reflecting on what happened and they're all scrolling through their pictures. You know, in the meantime, somebody's behind them rummaging through their luggage that they left under their seat. So you, you got to keep your situational awareness up and running until you get to a point where you can relax and be in condition white and and completely let your guard down yeah because the one thing i always go along and and uh and make make sure people realize criminals are criminals 24 hours a day so until you're in a safe spot you know in your home in your hotel you know the doors locked different things like that you've you've got to be very aware of what's around you and what's what's happening because somebody could be rummaging through your bag from behind somebody could be going along and trying to set you up for a pickpocket could set you up for a lot of different things to go along and have happen to you and those are things where you don't want that to spoil your vacation that's for sure yeah absolutely and I, you know i've been you know i try to keep on top of some of this stuff and try to stay on top of the trends and the, the techniques that criminals use to take advantage of people and i just posted one the other day it's called the glue and tap have you ever heard of that no i haven't what does that involve <laughs> So unfortunately, I didn't find out about this till after the book was published. So that's why I try to keep things, you know, kind of fresh and and keep people updated on my social media sites. But a a glue and tap is when someone takes glue to an ATM machine. And this works whether it's, you know, domestically or internationally. 
and they'll they'll fill the card slot with glue, just enough to where it causes it to malfunction. It won't read a card. Your card won't insert the way it's supposed to. Now they'll sit in a car or stand across the street and wait on someone to, you know, to, to get frustrated with that. And then they'll come up and they'll be in line behind them like they're waiting. And then, you know, like a good Samaritan, they will say, hey, you know, that's got a tap feature. You can just tap your card instead of inserting it and it'll work. And then they'll wait. The person will tap their card and then they'll do their transaction. They'll take their cash and they'll walk away. Well, what people don't realize is that when you use that tap feature, you have to physically log out. You know, you have to push a button that says that you're finished with your transaction, which you don't have to do when you insert your card into the slot. And people are so used to doing that. They've developed that muscle memory. They'll grab their card. They'll grab their cash. They'll walk away with their account still open. And then when they get back to their hotel, if they check their bank account, they'll see that they've got a huge withdrawal out of that account because the person waiting behind them that was so friendly and eager to help was actually there to take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. It's the simplest of things that the crooks figure out, you know, social engineering wise that, uh, you know, makes people victims. Oh, absolutely. And this is, you know, those are the little things that you got to be aware of. And a lot of times, you know, you can see things coming from a mile away, you know, it's a scam, like buddy, just stay away. I got this. But sometimes, especially, you know, when it comes to things like technology and stuff like that, people don't realize, you know, that tap feature is relatively new. You know, so people don't understand how it works at ATMs and that it keeps your account information open until you physically close it out. So it's just something that one more thing, you know, that people need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, um, you know, if they go along and, uh, you know, withdraw the ATM, a bunch of cash out of your bank account, it's not like a credit card where you can call up and they will, you know, refund the or give you a credit until they figure out, you know, what's going on. You're out that money until they figure out that it was, it was fraud. And, you know, depending upon the bank, they might hold you liable for it also, since you didn't log out. So. Yeah, absolutely. So you have to be careful. Um, what are, what are the differences you've seen or you recommend when it comes between air travel and when you're doing uh, road trips? Well, you know, it, air travel, that, that was, that was my thing. It was a federal air marshal. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens, especially when you're traveling with family that you got to be aware of. There's the potential for you to get separated from your family because there was some issue with seating on the airplane. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen so many times and it would frustrate me every time I saw it. You know, uh, the flight attendants are trying to accommodate people. Some passengers don't want to move their seats for whatever reason. They're already settled in. But I've seen families get separated from younger children. And they figure, well, because, you know, my daughter's 12 or 13 years old, she's old enough, you know, to kind of watch herself, take care of herself. So they'll set her in an aisle with a complete stranger where they don't even have a lot of sight on her. And, you know, that's just something that, that little things like that, little common sense things are what you need to pay attention to when you're traveling. You know, keep your party together, keep your luggage intact, make sure that nobody's unpacking in the middle of the airport, repacking, you know, to try to find a charger or a Game Boy or whatever. you got to be organized. On a road trip, it's a little bit different. You know, mm-hmm. you got to be aware of certain certain rest stops at night. You know, you got to be aware of, uh, you know, things like national parks, like we mentioned, and stuff like that, being approached by people who, you know, are asking for directions or just kind of in those out of the way places where there's not a lot of witnesses, you know, when you're approached by a stranger, you need to ramp up that situational awareness, you know, put yourself in a condition or in a position where you're able to defend yourself if something were to go south, you know, it's just a different set of circumstances. But if you use common sense, whether it's on the plane or on the road, 
and you practice the techniques in the books, you know, when it comes to situational awareness and travel and things like that, how those things mesh together, then, you know, it's going to be a whole lot easier for you. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when you're, when you're traveling and you're going to hotels, you know, you've got to make sure, you know, you keep things secured in the hotel room. And, you know, we were talking about national parks and such. If you're camping, you're normally going to leave your car, you know, with a bunch of stuff in it and grab your backpack and go off for a couple of days. Uh, that makes it ripe for somebody to smash and grab something out of it. And it could be, you know, as it could be an ex something expensive or it could be something as cheap as a cell phone charger type of thing. And, you know, they're not necessarily looking at what it's going to cost to replace the window. They're looking at just what can they get, you know, for their, their time. And if your alarm goes off in the middle of the national park, where's nobody's around. So they don't even care about that. Yeah. You are your first responder basically, you know, so you got to be really careful, but you know, with hotels and stuff like that, there's so many things that people don't necessarily think of all the time. They're like, well, you know, I just got every, I'm going to put all my valuables in the hotel safe. You know, hotel safes aren't always the safest, you know, because someone has the access code to get into every hotel safe and you mm -hmm. don't know if that person's worthy or not, you know, so you just got to be aware of what could happen and understand what criminals do to target victims and what that looks like so that you know how to better prevent it on your end. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest when it comes to blending in and not sticking out? I mean, if you're, if you're walking around someplace and you're sticking out and you've got the, you know, telltale, you know, camera around your, around your neck and you're taking pictures of all the, you know, touristy type of thing, you're, you're making yourself a target there too, because somebody's like, they have no idea what, you know, who anybody is or where somebody might run off to, you know, quickly and easily uh, along those lines. But how do you suggest uh, blending in? Well, you know, that, that comes along with the whole cultural awareness piece. So do your research before you travel. And it doesn't matter, like I said, if you're going to San Francisco, you know, from Boone, North Carolina, or you're going to Europe on a vacation, you know, do your research, look at how people, you know, and what I always recommend if you're going to be gone for a bit of time and you have the money to do it is, you know, pack light. And then once you get there, you know, buy some local clothing, you know, some souvenirs and stuff like that. Because as Americans, we have a tendency to dress a certain way that flags us immediately as Americans. So if I'm walking around in, in Athens and I'm wearing a, you know, a New York Yankees baseball cap, that pretty much everybody's going to know I'm an American because in Europe, you don't see a lot of men wearing baseball caps, you know, but if I had on a pair of skinny jeans and a Manchester United soccer shirt, I may be a little more, you know, culturally appropriate in, in London or somewhere like that. So, it's, uh, you know, it's just do, it's just a matter of doing your research, trying to blend in, trying not to, if you can learn, if you're going somewhere foreign, you can learn a little bit of the language before you go, please do, you know, because they appreciate that on their end. You don't look like the ugly American who just expects everybody to speak English. And, uh, you know, a little tip for travelers saying it louder doesn't mean that they're going to understand you. So you see that kind of thing all the time, mm -hmm. but just, you know, be aware, be aware of your own kind of, uh, you know, behaviors around other people and watch, I always recommend just watching how locals operate with each other, you know, watch how, you know, what there's in terms of like personal space, that's much different in Asia than it is here in the United States. You know, there are places where people get really close to you when they're talking to you and it makes us Americans uncomfortable. We like a little bit of, you know, a little bit of space. So arm's length is fine, but you get inside that, we start getting a little nervous, a little mm -hmm. antsy, and people pick up on that. So, you know, just doing your research, watching the locals, trying to dress like the locals, 
You know, it's a, it goes a long way with people and it helps you to blend in and not stick out like a tourist. And like you said, the obvious stuff, you know, you don't want to walk around with your camera around your neck, you know, and looking at your map when you should, you know, kind of know your routes to whatever sites you're going to see or whatever. You don't want to keep your nose buried in your cell phone and, you know, stay away from those t-shirts that say I went to Athens and all I got was this stupid t-shirt kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So those are dead giveaways. Like I said, you know, common sense goes a long way when you, when it comes to traveling and situational awareness. Yeah. And I would suspect, you know, it's a little bit different. Um, if you're in a touristy pl- uh, place where, you know, everybody mm-hmm. else is looking like a tourist versus if you decide to yeah. head to the countryside or out or outside the, the tourist center, because then they, they can pick people up, uh, you know, very quickly you know, they don't belong here. Yeah. yeah. If you go to Rome and if you go to Rome and you're walking around the Coliseum, you know, everybody around there is, you can pretty much bet they're either going to be a tourist or they're going to be somebody looking to accommodate or take advantage of a tourist. That's it. Right. You don't see a whole lot of locals running around there unless they live there or work there. But you know, there's, there's, there's just all these little scams where they try to take advantage of you just a little bit at a time. And you may not pay attention to how much money you're spending until you get back to your hotel room. You're like, oh, my God, how much? Because you're not doing the math with conversion rates and stuff in your head. You're just giving them what, what you know, they say you owe them. And then you get back to the hotel room and you realize that you're almost out of money. So, you know, there's people that will take advantage of that, especially in places like I just mentioned. And you'll be standing there looking at the Coliseum. And they're like, hey, come on, you know, I, I, we got this you know, company, here it is. And you pay us this much money, you get a private guided tour. You don't have to wait in stupid lines and all this stuff. And a lot of times, you know, they'll, they will, you know, they'll get you inside because they pay somebody off. They know somebody or whatever, but you'll pay a whole lot more for it. And you're not going to get the experience that you thought you were going to get like you would with an actual tour guide. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful. Just, just little things like that, even though it may not be, you know, the crime of the century and you weren't mugged, if somebody taking a few extra dollars out of your pocket here and there, you know, everywhere you go until it adds up to a considerable amount of cash, you know, once you get ready to head home. We went on a cruise one time to a foreign uh, country. And the one thing that was interesting, we, when we docked and we went ashore, there was a guy there with a pet monkey. And he'd have, you know, a pet monkey, you know, on, you know, on, you know, he let you put pet monkey on your shoulder and, and go around and everything. And then as soon as you start taking pictures, he wanted five bucks, you know, everybody who went along, you got pretty, pretty irate if you didn't, didn't pay him the five bucks. And that was just one of those scams. He didn't say that ahead of time, but you know, he was, that's how he made his money was going along was, you know, saying you owe him five bucks and then intimidating you to, you know, pay the five bucks. And like you said, you get back to the hotel room and you realize that, you know, a couple pictures cost you a whole lot of money. Oh yeah. You know, and it's like that all over the place. You'll see people in the square, you know, in Athens, Greece, and they're juggling, you know, fire and you're standing around watching and then they walk around with a hat and, you know, they got people around that are like, Hey, no, you, you know, you enjoy the show. Now you give him some money, things like that. And they try to intimidate people into, into giving money that way. Or like you said, you know, it's just people wanting to take a picture. They'll offer to take a picture for you. And if you're lucky enough that they don't haul ass with your camera, then they're going to want some money for doing that. So you just got to be, you just got to be careful. You know, and when you're looking for that, because everybody wants to do that, you want to stand in front of some, you know, famous site and get your picture made with your spouse or with your family, find another tourist, you know, you'll know because they stand out just like you do mm-hmm. and talk to them or you let a local or somebody who's just kind of wandering around that area with no real reason to be there, you know, to you don't want to hand them a $300 phone or something just to, 
or you some know, of the thousand to fifteen hundred dollar phones, you know. I mean, they're kind they're kind of ridiculous. I'm more than I'm still thinking flip phones, but yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, you're handing over a lot of money whenever you hand something like that over. So you gotta be cautious. Exactly. Well, let me ask you this. If you're in if you're someplace and something does happen, um, you know, you get a terror attack. You've got kidnapping, you've got, you know, street crimes. What's the, what's the best way of basically getting out of Dodge or getting out of the situation? What, what's your recommendations? Well, that all comes with contingency planning. You know, it's the old phrase, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And nobody wants to think that way when they're on their vacation. So you need to do that ahead of time. And that's all in that pre-planning phase of the trip, you know, that I talk about in the book. So you want to research crime, you want to research the rates of terrorism, you know, what kind of things happen there in Mexico, like, you know, kidnappings. Look at the four Americans who were just kidnapped down there not long ago, right on the border. Mm-hmm. You know, two of them ended up. So research these things and then come up with contingency plans. What would happen, you know, in my first book, Spotting Danger Before It Spots You, I talk about playing the what if game. You know, what if, you know, I'm at the Coliseum and, you know, there's a there's a suicide bomber, you know, detonates anywhere in, in my vicinity. What, you know, what's my plan? If I'm alone, you know, that's easy. But what if I'm with my family and my wife took the kids a uh, hundred yards away to get an ice cream cone? You know what I mean? So these mm-hmm. are all things that you have. To it's all things you got to think about. You got to pre-plan those responses to that, you know? So anytime something like that bad happens, if you see an avenue to get away from it, that's always your best option especially when you have your family with you, you don't want to try to be the hero. You want to save your family. You want to get yourself to safety, you know, hunker down wherever you can until law enforcement arrives. If you can make it back to your hotel, the safety of your own room, all the better, you know, but you have to have those plans in place before they happen. Because like I tell people all the time when I'm teaching, you know, in my firearms classes and my situational awareness classes, your body won't go where your mind hasn't been. So you have to think these things through so that in the moment, if something bad did happen, you don't go into vapor lock and start wondering what you should do. You're like, okay, I thought of this. This is what our plan is, and this is how I have to react. And you have a much better chance of getting out of there quickly and safely if you've thought about it beforehand. Yeah, especially if you get separated from your, you know, your wife's got the kids like you're talking about, and you're separated. It would be probably 100 times better for you to meet up at a rendezvous point hotel or something sure. else like that than to try to try to go into a you know mass casualty event trying to find you know people um at that point right. and that's where you know you get away from it because you don't know what else is going to happen you know right after that or what the what the uh local authority is going to do all those kind of actions and you know really the point is to get away from it regroup and um you know work on your uh you know execute contingency plans and, and, you know, that's one of the things that people fear the most, whether it's, you know, getting separated from your child in a grocery store or losing, you know, getting separated from your family on a vacation. You know, those things stress people out. And sometimes your reactions aren't exactly the best. So, you know, I talk about that pretty thoroughly in the book. You know, when it comes to the section on contingency planning, that's one of the things that people encounter the most is separation and what you have to do to work your way back together safely so that you all go home and you know nobody's the worse for wear 
What do you suggest if, if you have a medical emergency when you're while you're traveling? I mean, obviously, you know, probably a lot of countries have met medical care, but they don't quite have it to the same extent that we have here in the United States. You know, what's, what's your su- suggestion for that? Well, that all comes again, you know, with the pre-planning phase, whenever you're doing your research, you want to look for local hospitals, you want to look for, you know, uh, pharmacies and things like that. Know where those are that are in relation to your hotel, because when it comes to travel, you know, your hotel is going to kind of be your base of operations. That's where you're going to be the most safe, where you can let your guard down when you're alone at night, and kind of regroup and get ready for the next day of, <clears throat> excuse me, of sightseeing or whatever. But know where the hospitals are, know what the routes are, know how far away they are, know where the embassies are, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk, talking about embassies, if you're in a foreign country, how much help can you expect from like the U.S. embassy? Well, it depends. You get to the gate, you don't have your passport, you're going to be a little bit out of luck. So you got to make sure that you keep your passport or copies of your passport on you all the time. So those are going to come in handy. They may ask for them at the hotel, but never hand your passport over to someone unless it's at an embassy and they're asking for it specifically. So otherwise, you know, once they figure out that you're an American citizen and you're in duress, you're going to get all the help you need. So, you know, and another thing that I talk about in the book that I recommend that, that I that I, you know, I recommend people do is to before you leave, get on the State Department's website and enroll in their STEP program. And that is a that's a safe traveler program where you get alerts on crimes, you get alerts on terrorist activity, you get alerts on all these different things. But it also gives you the option to input uh, your group's phone numbers and things like that so that someone can reach you and you can reach them in the event of an emergency. So if you can't get to an embassy, just having that information on your phone goes a long way in keeping you and your family safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because as uh, we've seen. You know, you know, you brought up Greece, you know, Greece has had their turmoils over the last, you know, five, five, six years and such, you know, there's major, uh, you know, rioting in, in France about raising the retirement age. Israel's had, had, um, you know, their, their demonstrations and everything. And it's not to say don't go there, but you've got to be aware of those. So you can add, add contingencies to your plan of just in case, if that happens in your town, what are you, what are you going to do? Yeah, you know, if you notice, you talk about those riots in Athens and in France and stuff like that. So if you notice on the news, the rioters were wearing yellow vests, which I always thought was kind of funny. But, I, you know, a couple of guys I flew with, they would pack yellow vests. And when we'd go out, you know, especially in Athens, you want to walk up to the Acropolis and check things out. And you come back. We've been caught up in several demonstrations. You know, they were all peaceful, you know, which, which is great. But if things turn south, and it's, you know, the people in the vests versus the people in the uniforms, you know, their plan was to throw a vest on so that they didn't get attacked by the protesters who would obviously be more violent and make their way to a law enforcement officer and be like, hey, I'm not with them. I'm an American. I'm trying to get, you know, the hell out of here and try to seek help that way or at least get to the edges of the crowd to where you can make your way out of the, you know, the protests should you need to. You never want to get caught up in the middle of that. Don't let your curiosity get the best of you because there's nothing there you want to see. Yeah, and there and nothing good's going to come out of it, is what the bottom right. line comes down to, you know. What and that I would say that goes both here in the U.S., you know, as well as abroad. Because if you're in the middle of a protest and it goes south, you you know really don't have a whole lot of choices. 
I mean, you're, you're grouped together and law enforcement responses are to, you know, corral and separate the people, you know, from whatever they're damaging type of thing. And even if you're not actively doing that, you're, you know, grouped together with everybody until they can sort things out later, which will not be any fun. Right. Yeah, that's a fact. No. Well, this is uh, some really cool information on uh, traveling. And as I was saying before, you know, I don't travel a ton, but we've, uh, wife and I, we gone to you know several foreign countries gone cruising done you know different things along those lines and it's always uh always good to go along and think about what we're doing and how we can be a little safer um while we're out there uh in uh, out there traveling because we love traveling in the united states and there's some great places in the united states there's great places around the world but at the same time there have been some different places where you know I've, make sure my wife's not too far away from me. And it's like, yeah, we're not getting, we're not going to stay at here too much longer. Cause I don't want to be here after dark. And you know, that's in the U S right. and there's obviously places like that over in other countries too. And it just depends on where you're at and making sure you've got some plans in place before you, before you need them. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the one thing I, one thing I want to make clear to everybody is the fact that, you know, I'm not here to try to instill fear in anyone or fear monger, you know, by any means, I've traveled all over the world, you know, as an air marshal. And and in 90% of the cases, the people that I come in contact with are warm and they're friendly and they're incredibly helpful. And I've made great friends overseas that I still keep in touch with to this day. So, you know, it's it's but it's that 10% that you have to look out for. And that's where the situational awareness comes into play. The pre-planning, the what-if games, knowing how criminals act and what the counters to those actions are. You know, it's little things like that. If you can just educate yourself on them, then you'll find yourself able to relax a little more no matter where you are and enjoy yourself better. But, you know, like I said, the majority of places I've gone to, they're they're safe, they're friendly. You know, there are bad things that happen there, just like there are bad things that happen everywhere. You just got to make sure that you and your family members are prepared for that. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, something, uh, Gary, I don't think we've really talked too much about the previous time you've been on, but you also built some pretty uh, handy holsters. I know I've got a couple of them that yeah. are very minimalistic and such. Can you tell us about your new holster that you're coming out with? Yeah, well, you know, when I was an air marshal, that's one of the things that I realized is that, you know, a lot of the holsters out there, the way we concealed, like it was a big gun we were carrying and it had to be deep concealment and it was fairly uncomfortable. So the less material you can use for a holster and keep everything, you know, secure the way you want it to be, then the better off you are over a long period of time in terms of comfort and access to your weapon. So I started the company Q-Series LLC. You know, we make the Q-Series stealth holster, which was our original minimalist holster. But we just released a new one. Uh, it's called the Invisus which is, uh, in Latin means unseen. It's part of the air marshal's motto, you know? Uh, and I thought that was kind of a, a good tribute to the federal air marshal service. So, it, you know, it's for a Glock 19, oh, it's for a Glock 19 that is fitted with a TLR-7A uh, streamlight, uh, attachable light. So that's, that's their current setup, and it's what a lot of federal agencies went to. And a lot of people on the civilian side carry the same setup. It's a really good, it's a really reliable setup. So we made a holster for that. And uh, the holster also has, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the sky, New York skyline with the Twin Towers on it. It says remember underneath it. And we've actually become partnered with Tunnel to Towers. And, you know, 10% of all sales, direct sales of those holsters 
we donate tunnels towers. So that's a fantastic foundation. You know, I spent a big part of my life, you know, in the Federal Air Marshal Service, and I looked at this as kind of a way to give something back. You know, a good holster to the guys who are out there still doing the job, the guys and girls that are still out there doing the job, and to donate a little something, you know, to the Tunnels Towers Foundation as kind of a thank you for everything they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, that, that's that's really cool. You're you're working with that foundation because if uh, people aren't familiar with it. Uh, I forget who the firefighter was, but he ran from the tunnels all the way to the uh, towers on 9-11 because traffic was uh, was uh, backed up so much in his in his uh, uh, gear, which is no no small feat, to say the least. Right. Yeah, it's a a really fantastic foundation and they support, you know, the the children and the families of fallen first responders. And, you know, they're just doing amazing work. And I felt like it was a perfect pairing you know between a retired federal air marshal who's trying to give something back to the guys he used to work with and you know that foundation to give a little bit to them as well and it's uh it's worked out pretty good so you know you can go to qseriesllc.com that's the website and find that holster in the whole line of stealth holsters that we have on that website mm-hmm. yep i've got the uh, standard glock and it's worked out very well for me for what six years plus uh, since i've had it yeah, yeah, I like to hear that. So we got Tom warranty on them too, you know. If they bust, we replace them. And you know, if if you're a first responder, or military, law enforcement, we have a ten percent discount for you. So you just get on the website, you fill out the form, they send you the code, it saves you ten percent on your purchase. And if you order the in business, then part of that, like I said, goes to Tunnel of Towers. So you're also supporting that foundation as well. Very good, very good. Wait, Gary, we've been asking all our guests this year to name an event class or place they think our listeners and 2A uh, people should visit. Um, anybody, anything come to mind? Well, you know, I, I, I love Washington, D.C. I go to Washington, D.C. all the time. And you go up there and you look through the Smithsonian the museums and stuff like that. And, you know, it's especially when it comes to the Revolutionary War, and why the Second Amendment is in place in the first place. That's always kind of eye opening. But last year, and I recommend this, especially for, for, for the women, you know what I mean? Because this is specifically geared toward them. But a Robin Sandoval, I, I'm sure you know who she is. She yep. runs A Girl and a Gun. She's been on the podcast yeah, before. Yeah, she's phenomenal. I don't know how that woman has the energy that she had to do all the things that she has going on. But she runs uh, you know, A Girl and a Gun, and they put on their national conference every year in Colorado. Uh, last year, I was fortunate enough to be invited out there as a guest instructor and a guest speaker, and just to be around that and to see all these people coming into the, you know, to the shooting industry, whether it be for concealed carry, you know, because they felt like they needed a method to protect themselves or whether they were getting into performance shooting and, you know, kind of competition shooting and things like that. It was just, you know, it, it was very eye-opening to see how many people support that and are into that and are starting to, to get drawn towards it. And to me, if you can get into something like that and just go to one of those events, whether it's a women's event, a men's event, it doesn't matter. But one of those national conferences, you'll, you'll really, you know, gel with a lot of people and meet a lot of fantastic folks who you have a lot in common with. And it really helps you to, you know, to, to kind of reconsider why you do what you do and, and what the second amendment really means so yep and that, that's a that's a great uh suggestion because uh robin r- runs a great program for it um very educational and it helps you really connect on why we're doing this you know 
And uh, yep. that's, that's a great but, suggestion. Yeah, what fascinated me most about Robin, you know, was in the beginning, Robin was, was anti-gun. You know, mm-hmm. she didn't she didn't think that people should be running around with guns. But, you know, there was an event in her life that changed her mind and she got into it. And now she's training thousands of women. You know, her organization is training thousands of women every year on personal defense and competition shooting and just getting everybody involved and excited about it. And it's something it's something to behold. Like I said, yep. you know, she's a she's a phenomenal I was fortunate to be able to work with her for yeah, you know, a little and, bit. And there. she's involved with the uh, DC project too. So she's going to Washington DC on a regular basis, talking to the legislators. And, you know, like you said, she's, uh, she's got a lot on her plate and she keeps uh, juggling things very well. But great yeah. person. Uh, well, Gary, yeah, where can people right. find more about you, your uh, blog, Instagram, uh, those, those types of things, if they want to follow and, and uh, see what you're up to these days. All right. Well, you know, I'm most active on Instagram and that's at Gary.questionberry. Uh and everything else, like the whole hub for the books and the situational awareness stuff, my blog, you know, you can book me for speaking and training events, whether it's for firearms or situational awareness, is all on my website and that's just GaryQuestenberry.com. So you can get on there, subscribe. You'll, you know, I don't I don't spam people, you know, I might put out a newsletter once every two or three months. And just kind of keep people informed about some changes or a new book release or something like that. But it's uh, that's where everything is. So at Gary.Questionberry on Instagram and my website, GaryQuestionberry.com. And for the holsters, it's QSeriesLLC.com. Great. I will make sure those get added to the uh, show notes in case somebody wants to go along and uh, get get a hold of you for on any of those uh, methods. Say, before I go, I was just going to tell you that any of your listeners that if they decide they do want to get on to the uh, – you know, onto the Q series site and look at the holsters. If they decide to order one, there's a standardized code they can use. It's HOOAH, H O O A H. It's an army thing. So, uh, you know, they can use that. And that's my gift to your listeners. They can save 10% on, on a holster if they decide to purchase one. Great. I will add that to the show notes also. So, another right. benefit to listening all the end of the podcast, you get the special uh, uh, sneak code in order to get 10% off. <laughs> Yeah, always say that for last, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, Gary, thanks for coming on again, and thanks for your time. Uh, well, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, have a good one. That's a wrap for this episode, and I hope you found uh, some good information on that book that Gary's uh, put out. You have a comment for us? Check out our Facebook page, or better yet, go to FarmTrainerPodcast.com where you can leave us comments as well as going along and look at previous episodes. There's a search function on the website that allows you to go along and find whatever topic you're looking for across all the hundreds of episodes that we have. Remember, visit our sponsors, especially the Farm Trainers Association at FTAProtect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Use promo code FTP10 at checkout for 10% off on your policy. We bring this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.